Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I, as always, am Stephen Ellis And I, as usual, am Robert Wolfson And Rob, let's get right into it Summer, it's over It's over, not technically We still have a couple more weeks of official summer September 21st, right? But yeah, it definitely it's, feels a bit cooler in Calgary today, so it definitely feels a bit more fallish in the air. Yeah, it was like you snapped your fingers and all of a sudden it felt like fall. The leaves haven't turned, though. I'm quite no. surprised. That'll probably happen very soon with it very getting a bit soon. colder. Yeah, that's right. It was a great summer, though. A little bit late coming, but very consistent, hot. Not a lot of rain, actually, compared to what we normally no, get. True. So it was really good July and August in Calgary. Yeah, it wasn't too windy, which helped the golf game a little bit, although the last couple of rounds out have been incredibly windy and a bit frustrating. Golf is frustrating to begin with, let alone without That's the wind. That's true. That is very true. But we still love it. We do love it. Wind or no wind, we will take it. So, Steve, with September among us, golf season's kind of winding down. It definitely seems like we're kind of back to almost a new year back to normal schedules if that makes sense to you yeah i don't know what normal is anymore really but uh yeah september gives i think a little bit more structure right kids you know for you and i anyway go back to school for a lot of people not just us yeah not just us but i'm just saying there are people out there that don't have that element of their life but uh you know kids going back to school summer as we've said is over so in a lot of cases people are you know, back to a normal work schedule. Vacation time is over. Definitely when you're driving on the roads this week, it's a lot busier than it was even just last week. Absolutely. A lot of people returning to the office as well, which is great. I mean, I know in downtown Calgary, it's definitely a lot more active than what it has been more recently, obviously the pandemic, but even the summer, just people taking vacations. Just seems people are back in the offices and getting back to our regular routine. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we've talked about this before, how many people are going to stay on that flexible work schedule, the hybrid model, or just working exclusively from home. And Steve, I know one thing with September, which is near and dear to both yours and my hearts, but also a lot of people in North America is the start of the NFL season. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. So just for the sort of listeners can know a little bit more about us personally, we both have a favorite football team and yours is the New York Giants, the New York football Giants. And mine is the Cincinnati Bengals. Boo. I was a little bit embarrassed about that initially, and I'm not a bandwagoner because they did go to the Super Bowl last year. I actually liked, started liking them about seven, eight years ago when they were bad and no one could accuse me of bandwagoning. But I, now now they're awesome. I can attest to that, Rob. I know you've been a fan for a while. So so you have a witness in me here yeah. that you're and, not and, a, a bandwagoner. And, and you've been a Giants fan forever. Oh, as long probably since I was 13 years old, and that was sort of back in their heyday. It's... Uh, you know, it's been up and down, more difficult in the last few years to be a fan, but that's that's the way sports work. So still uh, very loyal to the team. It's going to be a good year. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Let's hope. You really do never know. So, Rob, let's get into what we want to talk about here today. And really, we are talking about September and the fact that it's September and what that means for the markets. Yeah, and as much as summer's over, we're kind of talking about the same things that we were at the beginning of the summer as it relates to the market. Yeah, and as much as summer's over, we're kind of talking about the same things that we were at the beginning of the summer as it relates to the markets. 
Is there an echo in here? <laughs> it's, it's the broken record, Rob. It just keeps repeating itself. So, Rob, all joking aside, as much as we are still talking about the same things, let's, as we've talked about before, reframe it a little bit, right? Let's look at it from a bit of a different perspective because we don't want to get on here and just keep telling the same story, obviously. So let's talk about September and historically what September's look like, maybe how that might be the same this year, different this year, based on all of those things that we have been talking about for so long. Yeah, you're right, Stephen. Often in the financial media, like you'll hear people talk and make reference to specific times of the week, month, year, and attach a bullish or bearish sentiment to that. Investors are really just trying to find trading patterns in the market that they can justify a reason to either buy or sell within the market. And for whatever reason, we're going to go through a couple of those reasons, so I shouldn't say for whatever reason, but there's the September effect. And that's what we thought, obviously, it's September now, so it's very timely to go through why that is. One of the historic realities, Steve, is that the stock market has typically performed the poorest during the month of September. And the Stock Traders Almanac reports that on average, September is the month when the stock market's three leading indexes usually perform the poorest. Right. And it's not without reason. It's not just based on the fact that it's September. There are certain things, and we alluded to some of them. There are certain reasons that the market does trade down in September or could trade down in September, we'll say. And we alluded to some of those things, you know, kids going back to school, vacations being over. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, before you get into that, Steve, let me give a couple stats. I actually have the stats in front of me. So since 1950, the Dow Jones has averaged a decline of 0.8% in the month of September, while the S&P 500 has averaged a 0.5% decline during the month of September. Also, before we get into more explanations for the September effect, it is important to understand that more recently we haven't seen that phenomenon happen as much or to the same extent as we did prior to, say, 1990. So as much as people reference it, I mean, I've had several calls in the last few weeks that have referenced the September effect. It certainly has not been to the same extent as prior to 1990. And as much as I mentioned the stats for the Dow Jones and the S&P 500, it's definitely a worldwide phenomenon that just doesn't affect only the U.S. markets. Right. So let's talk about, and again, I spoiled it a little bit, but let's talk about a couple of reasons for the September effect. The first one is essentially that summer is ending. And there's a couple of things that happen sort of once we hit September, once summer ends, vacationers return to work, and they often will start thinking about their investments again. So they may have sort of casually thought about selling some positions or raising some cash over the summer, and then they'll look at executing that. It's like all of a sudden it's back to work time, right? Got to start thinking seriously. Now the fun's over. So you start seeing people who had been planning on doing things in the summer start to execute. And that puts a little bit of selling pressure on the markets. People often will look to, to raise cash for things like tuition for school. Maybe they overspent a little bit on their summer vacation. You know, we've all been there, spend a little bit more money in the summer than you might, you know, through the fall or winter months. So that idea of, of selling for different reasons tends to put a little bit of selling pressure on the markets. Yeah, Steve, those are some great points, more from the retail investor side of the ledger, but more on the money management side of the ledger. Same thing, mutual fund managers go on vacation as well. They may reposition their portfolio, be a bit more defensive, maybe raise some cash, and then they'll come back. And a lot of managers have 
quarterly statements that they have to put out. So the end of the third quarter is the end of September. So they'll need to do some repositioning. So you may have these portfolio managers harvesting some losses just to make changes in their portfolio, which adds to the selling pressure. Another thing we see, Rob, is we often see analysts start to cut their estimates for the second half of the year. We see second quarter earnings uh, announcements sort of wrap up in August. So come September, you know, if analysts have been a little over optimistic on stocks, they tend to be, they start to cut their forecasts and their estimates. So that tends to have a little bit of a, a negative impact on the market in September as well. So that's really it, Rob. I mean, it's not really that much more complicated than that. You know, there's some macro reasons for it. There's, you know, really just the human element associated with it as well. This year could be different based on all the things we're seeing out there right now and the fact that we're still telling the same story that we were prior to the summer. And because of that, we've already seen a lot of those estimates being revised down de-risking in portfolios as a result of that that's happened prior to September that we may historically see more of in September. So because we've seen those downgrades and those estimates revised lower previously, stocks have, as a result of that, gotten cheaper and may be more fairly valued going into September than they perhaps were in previous years where those estimates were lowered later in the year. That's right, Stephen. I think today looking for green shoots for 2022, which is, I think our listeners want to know what our thoughts are. A lot of the bad news is already priced in, as they say. So a lot of the cuts have already been made. So maybe the bottom has already been put in. Obviously, we'll never know until the past. But one thing you always have to remember about the market is that the current asset prices reflect future events. And that is thanks to these institutional investors attempting to get ahead of everyone else by focusing on what may happen, not what has already happened. Now, one thing that's happening this year as well, Steve, is that it's a midterm election year, which can have a lot of volatility and add some uncertainty to the markets. But we want to take a look at some of the past stats around the presidential cycle and find some green shoots as well for investors to look forward to. All right. Let's find a reason to be optimistic. And it's been tough, right? So I think people are starting to look at their portfolios now. Certainly the first six months of the year were pretty rough. July gave us a bit of a reprieve, but then, you know, we got hit again in August. So I think people are starting to get uh, a little bit frustrated, and that's understandable. But I think there's reasons to be optimistic. And if for no other reason that things have really been pretty poor for the first half of the year, and there are lots of stats to suggest that when you have those types of negative returns over the first six months, the back half of the year tends to be good. You know, we could provide a lot of stats in that regard. But you found some data on something that we both found very interesting, and that was how the markets reacted to the presidential cycle. And quite frankly, Rob, we also often talk about the fact that you can create stats around any kind of event, right? If it works, you look at it. And there are people out there that will look for stats that that fit any scenario. But this again, this was one that was a little bit different. So we thought we'd share the data with you all and just for no other reason to provide some optimism and a little bit of information. Yeah, you're right, Steve. And I did find this data when I was listening to a recent podcast with Joe Terranova from Versus Investments, who's on CNBC quite regularly as one of their contributors. And of course, all the usual disclaimers apply. Past performance does not dictate future performance. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. So just uh, so listeners know that going in. But so if you think of a presidential cycle, as you talked about, it's typically four years, president to president. So there's 16 quarters. Typically, when you go back in history, 
the most difficult quarter in the presidential cycle is the second quarter of the second year. So that's the one that we just went through, which was the second quarter of 2022. If you think back to what happened on the market, Steve, this year, it was a real volatile time, basically from April 1st to June 30th. So that held true again. Now, conversely, the three best quarters in the presidential cycle are the fourth quarter of the second year to the end of the second quarter of the third year. So for this cycle, that's going to be from October 1st of 2022 through to June 30th of 2023. So that's what lies in front of us. We hope. We hope. Now, what are the reasons for this to typically be the best, you know, couple quarters within the cycle? You're through the midterm elections, which admittedly we're still two months away today because it's the first week of November. So we have to get there. Once you get through the midterm elections, you take away and remove some of that political uncertainty. Typically, the incumbent party loses either the House or the Senate. So there's some political gridlock. Again, doesn't always happen, but typically. And it's generally good for the markets. Generally good for the market. The market likes political gridlock because they know there's not going to be anything major transformative from a policy standpoint that's really going to shake a specific sector, tax increases, that sort of thing. So you really, and you haven't got into talk of the actual main presidential election cycle yet, where we talk about who's going to lead the parties and run for president. So you really have taken Washington, D.C. and all of the uncertainty that goes around policy out of the markets. And we've talked about this before, Rob, the markets like certainty. So that's essentially, you know, if you want to label it, what we're talking about is the level of certainty and uncertainty within that presidential cycle and when those things tend to happen. Yeah, exactly, Steve. And here's also, again, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. So going back to 1939, so 80 years of data, there's been 20 of these presidential cycles and 20 out of 20 times from the midterm election to June 30th of the following year, the market's been up. And six of those 20 times has been greater than 20%. So again, just trying to find some green shoots just to reframe the current negativity because definitely investor sentiment today is turning definitely pessimistic again after we had a bit of a rally in the summer months. So we were trying to find those green shoots so that people can take a look forward and look past all the negative data. Robin, as we often do, you know, we talk a lot about the U.S. We provide U.S. market stats. But as most of our listeners know, as the U.S. goes, so goes Canada generally. Right. So there are some exceptions to that, obviously. But our markets do react to the U.S. presidential cycle as well. So, Steve, that's a good wrap up on the September effect. And as we started the episode a lot of the same things we were talking about before the summer are still going on and we're still talking to clients about we got the war still ongoing, no end in sight, inflation, rates going up, supply uh, chain, supply chain issues, COVID issues, you know, especially uh, China, lockdowns, how that's affecting supply but, chain issues. Supply, that's right. So if, as always, feel free to call us if you have any questions about your portfolio. If you need a second opinion, that's what we're here for. Please reach out to us. That's right, Rob. And as always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.